Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's your host, Brett Allen of the Open Mic Podcast. And our guest today is actor John Huertes. He is best known as playing Miguel Rivas on the NBC Emmy-nominated television show, This Is Us. And his directorial debut is today. The episode is titled The Ride. We talk about that with him in this episode. His love for Fat Burger versus In-N-Out Burger versus Sonic. It was a lot of fun. We also talk about his military experience growing up and his relationships and ties to the Air Force. That was a lot of fun. Just he's a family guy and he's a hard blue collar working actor and that was very clear in this interview one of the nicest people i have ever met be sure to check out his episode tonight on nbc streaming on whatever your favorite platform is tomorrow if you don't watch it today or watch it and then listen to this or vice versa i think you're going to love it thanks for being a part of the podcast john is the absolute best and i think you're going to love this episode to death thank you again and cheers if you will Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished with Brett Allen. Dude, we are so gonna party. A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven. Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The mystic portal awaits. Now here is your host, Brett Allen. Tonight is a big episode for This Is Us. It looks like another intense one, which they're all intense, but this is a special one for you because I understand you had the opportunity to direct tonight's episode. That had to be a fun and potentially nerve-wracking experience for you as an actor as well, I can imagine. Well, I think I had the honor of directing an episode yes. tonight, for sure. Um, you know, to be able to work with this cast and this crew and uh, the writer, Julia Brownell, and, you know, everyone from Dan Fogelman, Jess Rosenthal, Steve Beers. They, you know, this was probably the one of the highlights of my career to be able to, to direct tonight's episode. Um, it was the first episode of television um, that I've been able to direct, and it was a gift. And I can't wait for people to see it. I hope people love it. Uh, I've heard from some people that I have done press with today that that, that they liked it. Um, so I'm just uh, fingers crossed, hoping that I don't get any any hate <laughs> tweets no. or hate Insta messages. You know, we'll see. Um, but I think I think it went really well because. I was able to lean on the cast and the crew to really uh, help me deliver a really good story tonight. Yes. Well, I don't think you'll get any hate. And if somebody has the audacity to do that from the power of a phone or a computer, shame on them. I think that is just crazy. My philosophy is if you don't like something, then just don't watch it. I mean, that's yeah, the way that's I look too. at it. I say that to my six-year-old all the time. If you don't want to watch this, forget it. Do something else. And we'll take a break from it. Such an iconic show. And I've just been a fan personally of your work for a very long time. You've had a lot of time in front of the camera. So this is a big deal and the privilege to be able to direct tonight's episode. Did you feel any extra added pressure or anything like that for directing it? I'm sure you've been asked this all day long, but I'm just curious as someone who's been a veteran of television for several decades, does that bother you or does it help you in the sense of being able to speak the language of 
your castmates and work them through a scene? Well, I definitely think that the time I've spent in front of the camera it was my film school. Um, it, and it's definitely um, been a benefit to be able to kind of rely on that experience to be able to, to bring this episode to life tonight. You know, I, me directing right now, it feels like I have a responsibility. Um, I've done, you know, upwards of more than 300 episodes of television in 26 years. And I've only been directed by one adult male Latino and uh, in television. Really? And yeah. And so for me, I feel like there's a hole. And there are, uh, you know, for me as an actor who has this experience and, and, and the desire to direct, to, to, to create um, and be a part of that creative process from a different angle, it's my responsibility as an adult male Latino, uh, Afro-Latino to step behind the camera so that actors that are like I was when I was younger can have a director that they see that is, has maybe shared experiences understands why that actor is making the choices they're making based on their background. Um, I didn't really have that. And so I want to be able to give that to the next crop of actors that are Latinos. Um, and I think that uh, it's my responsibility. So I'm really, you know, I don't look at, you know, this being ch as, as much challenging as it is um, the right thing to do. Right now. Wow. I, I have to be honest with you, John. That's a bit shocking and a little bit jarring to know that in your career and everything that you've done, that that really hasn't never happened. So I think it's awesome that you are pioneering a way for interest and even a goal, I would say, to to work forward to to be able to direct and things like that. So clearly you have more plans, I would imagine, to direct other things down the road, I'm quite sure. Yeah, well, I think, you know, right now, uh, being a series regular on This Is Us, it's, it's going to be, it's tough for me to go and direct anything else unless it fits into the hiatus of that course. we have. But our hiatus will be a lot shorter this year because of, you know, our delays from COVID-19. And so I may not be able to to grace anyone else's set as a director, but next season we're going to uh, hopefully be able to direct one or two again. And then after that, I'm attached to a, a feature film that I really want to, direct and you know as long as i think as long as people keep kind of pushing the diversity for not only being in front of the camera but the diversity for behind the camera uh you know i i'll have a responsibility to step up and make sure i can get to as many directors chairs as possible um so that you know I, there's not another actor like me that says they, they haven't been directed by a, a latino and there are some other Latino actors out there that, I mean, not actors, but directors out there. I haven't had the opportunity to work with all of them, but, um, or any of them really, except for one Felix, <laughs> but Felix Acala is uh, the one director I've worked with and he's very good. Um, but you know, there are other actors that forged a trail for me as an actor before I got here and that uh, I looked up to them. So hopefully I can be the director for uh, other actors in the future. You know, if, if, as long as I can continue doing this, as long as I can, you know, um, not mess up so far, so good. A one for one. We'll yeah. Well, I don't see that happening. You've had a very long and healthy career and you have been a part of some fantastic projects. The one that comes to mind that I think most people would know you from was Castle. Oh, my God. What a fun show that was. And your character. It was fun. 
and your co-stars. You guys had me rolling the entire time. Just And then you (laughs) showed up on The Rookie, which was fun to work with Nathan again. And you've just done so many great projects. When you go from one project like that to the other, what are those moments like for you, John, when you are moving into something new? You know, I know Hollywood is very challenging. There's a lot of competition, a lot of rejection, but you've been seasoned for a while. Do you get that nervous feeling that a lot of actors get when you know that something's coming to an end and you have to go on to the next thing and and find a new job, so to speak? Or have you gotten to a point in your career where you're pretty comfortable with who you are as an actor and an individual talent and know that you shouldn't have any problems down the road finding the next gig, so to speak? Well, I think that, um, you know, you can, you can have confidence in yourself as an actor, but you can never expect that that's going to be the only thing that kind of um, sets you up for your next job. Uh, I think that there is definitely a part of me and probably a part of every actor that feels, you know, when a job is ending, um, a, a certain level of insecurity that I think is healthy um, because then that makes you work harder to get that next job. And I think that's, I don't believe in rejection. Um, you said there was rejection and that is a, a word that, you know, even when I wanted to become an actor, people told me, well, you got to be ready to face a lot of rejection because, but for me, I think if you make sure that you are as good as you can possibly be in what you do, and the only way you can be as good as you can possibly be is to train, 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 read, 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 and work, work, work. And I think uh, for me, I never stop working or training um, like an elite athlete. If you want to continue playing sports at an elite level, you're always training. And I think actors have to do the same thing. Um, learning and training is, is, is part of what we do. And so, you know, if I don't get a job, it's not rejection It is that wasn't my job. I know that I went into that room and I did what I can do to the best of my ability. If I, if I didn't get the job, it was either my fault uh, because I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared or because it just wasn't the right fit. And I think that's, what's great about our business is this is art for the most part. So that director, that writer, that, that those producers, that studio, they have piece of art they're trying to create. And if, you know, they, they have a palette of colors that they can choose from to paint with. And not every one of those colors is going to fit this painting or be right for this painting. And I think that us as actors, we have to know that my shade of brown, see what I did there? Um, yeah, that was good, to, man. Talent right there, John. Right? Uh, that's, not, that's not the brown I'm going to use in this painting right now. I'm going to use this other shade of brown or whatever it is. And that's a, you know, it's a metaphor for uh it's not a metaphor for ethnicity it's a metaphor for me as an actor and i think and as opposed to someone else as an actor so um i do you know i i think about when something's ending i think about what's next and i think about um you know how do i how do i make sure that i can take care of my family and myself and my my animals and you know what am i going to do and if it's not if it's not in front of the camera um now i can hopefully make the transition to, to doing stuff behind the camera that, that I can continue to take care of myself and my family and my animals. Um, but, um, 
ultimately, I think that we all have to be having either an entrepreneurial spirit or have different skills. Um, we have to be able to pivot. And I think that's, I'm always ready to pivot so that if somebody says, I don't want to put you in front of a camera ever again, if the, if the powers that be decide that for, for John, then I'm going to pivot and I'm going to do something else. I, you know, I work with wood. I'm a carpenter. I can build tables. Uh, I can, I'm, I'm a beekeeper. I've built my house. Uh, I can work on cars. Like I buy, and I, and I don't, there's to me, there's no shame in saying, Hey, you know what? I was an actor for 28 years, 27 years. Now I'm a mechanic or now I'm a, you know, whatever. I think that there's every job is an amazing job. Every job is important. And so, um, you know, if I had to flip burgers, I'll flip burgers. It's just going to be a fat burger because that's my favorite burger. Yes. Thank God you said that. Instead of in and out, oh, don't get me started. About <laughs> in and out, you mean burgers that are this big? Make well, so we don't have fat burger, burger here in the bay, but we have a lot of you other. Don't? We don't know. There's not one close. I think the closest one is like Modesto. <laughs> so, oh my God. There's one in Japan. How is there not one in I know, the bay? I know, crazy. I know. Well, we have a lot of other things, and uh, we have Sonic, which is kind of like a go to sort of. You know, Sonic's better than In and Out. Yeah, I and it's funny because people come here and they ask me about In and Out, and I'm like, it's just like McDonald's to me. You know, it's like I, I would rather go to McDonald's <laughs> than that. And uh, well, you get you get more meat on the burger, anyways. You know what? I, just real quick, just for, you know, I don't know if there's one there, but Hi Ho Burger is the best hamburger that you can get. Like when you're going to retail. If, uh, you know, other than making your own, I ho burger, in my opinion, and I'm a diehard fat burger guy, uh, but hi ho has been blowing me away and they have really? one in Santa Monica. I'm just not sure where they might have other locations. So if they don't have one in the Bay that you can try, you're at some point going to have to get to LA. Go I to know. Santa Monica well, and try the hi ho burger. It's interesting because I had planned to do that. Um, you know, before the pandemic to do a lot of these interviews in person, a lot of the junkets that you guys do and it all got shut down. So now we're doing right. zoom, but so there's, there's a very key point for our listeners to take away fat burger is the best and in and out. You can, although you do have the popularity, <laughs> it's funny. Well, this is great. I love this conversation. I, I have to try it now. I got to figure I can out. I talk about burgers all day. I know. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because you talk about all the things that you can do. And oftentimes I think that the press would like to bring shame on actors who maybe have a second job or had to go back and work, you know, and I think that's OK. Like I've talked to celebrities like yourself who have been a part of major projects. And yet when they're not working, they're at the yoga studio booking clients or doing things like that, because just because you're an actor does not always mean instant financial stability per se or success where you can just quit your day job. The, the landlord or the mortgage company still wants their money. So that's right. You know, it doesn't yeah, change. I mean, it doesn't change. Exa exactly. I mean, I think that, um, you know, there is something when you're an actor and you, you know, if you have any um, familiarity or fame, I like I call what I have familiarity. I don't think I'm famous. Uh, I didn't. I, ne I never wanted to be famous. Don't want to be famous. I want to be familiar enough to where I can, you know, 
that people in Hollywood that make the decisions on who they're going to put in a television show or movie can say they're familiar enough with me, with my work to know they can rely on me yes. to, you know, be a part of this cast. Um, so being familiar is important, but at the same time, like we, we're, a lot of us are middle-class actors. We're not, hundred percent. you know, we're not the Brangelinas, you know, the people that make millions of dollars uh, a movie, like like multi-millions of dollars a movie or, um, you know, not everybody, there's a little tiny bug in here, sorry. Not everybody is a, uh, you know, is on a show for an amount of time that, you know, you're able to renegotiate millions of dollars in your contract, like on Friends or uh, How I Met Your Mother or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a very, you know, you work one job and then you may not be able to work another job for a while. Even I had a friend who was on a show that was still going, but because of the schedule of the show, they, uh, and, and where, where the show aired, it was on a, uh, a free cable network. And, um, so it wasn't, wasn't big paychecks, like, you know, the major network shows or HBO or anything like that. Um, and, and HBO is only, only as great paychecks. Is it like if it's game of Thrones or something big, like right. That. Something um, huge, you know, not something like, huge. Yeah. They had, they not, had to negotiate to get big money, but at the beginning, yeah. the money's not that big. So, uh, <laughs> no, but like, you know, I had a friend that was on the show, right? I had a friend that was on the show that, you know, they were, they were down, they were on hiatus for 18 months, wow. uh, almost a year and a half. And because of her contract, because it's, uh, you know, she, there's an exclusivity clause to a lot of actors for most of our contracts where you cannot work on another show, especially as a regular, which is where the real money is. You can't work on another show while you're on our show, right. unless you get permission from us and you you're rarely going to get permission if it's a character that is similar to the one you play on the other show, which that's how a lot of actors get hired. It's usually we get typecast and we're like, oh, he's great as a soldier. Let's put him as a soldier in this, or he's great as a cop. You know, you know you've, you've seen those actors that always play cops or soldiers, whatever. Oh, yeah. So, I've talked to several of them. That's all they do. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you, so you have this actress who's on the show who's got kids, mortgage, and she's not allowed to work on anything else until – this other show goes back into production because of her exclusivity contract. So there's a part of it that it's not fair. Her, her salary was not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lot of money. It's, it's, it's a good, very good amount of money, but it's not, it's not rich. It, you know, she's not wealthy from it. She's doing well, you know? So, but then if you don't work for 18 months, you're bleeding. And people don't realize, people don't think about that. You know, when you think about actors, they think that all actors are, wealthy and rich. Um, but you know, we are laborers. That's why we have a union. We're literally laborers. So we, uh, have a very strong middle class in our kind of demographic as far as actors go. And we have a, uh, we have, a, I think most of the actors based on their salaries that go through the union, most of the actors that are members of the union fall below the poverty line. Yeah, it's very true. I was talking to, and not name dropping, but Jake Busey, Last year, when this pandemic first started, and he was getting ready to do a television show, and the pandemic shut it down, and he made a very valid point in the fact that there is no government loans assistance, no PPE for actors. You know, there's the union where you can go in. If you have your car loan through the union, you can say, oh, you know, SAG, I might be a month late or something. And so he had pivoted into he builds motorcycles and so he's building motorcycles hybrid motorcycles electric motorcycles 
and selling them oh, and cool. licensing them. Oh yeah, it was crazy. All of this stuff, you know, to just make the bills. And I've talked to so many actors who have said that, you know, it's not like, especially the child actors who don't become independently wealthy because they're on a long running series like Roseanne or the Connors, you know, and so they go do other things. They grip, they PA, they go to other sets and do different things. And so that's one of the reasons why I like talking to individuals like yourself, John, is because I think our listeners get the inside scoop on what this life is like. You know, it's not just what we see on television. And when you get an arc like you did on Castle and then you're able to move to This Is Us, you know, and do other things in between. That's a really big deal. And when we saw you come on, This Is Us, huge. We, were, we were all excited. We're like, oh, man, you know, uh, we loved you on this and on that. And so kind of turning the clock back a little bit, you've done a lot of things. You're an Air Force veteran, which I had no idea that that was even true. That's so cool. I'm, I'm a veteran <laughs> myself, so... Oh, uh, were you in the Air Force? I was in the Air Force, yeah, from 96 until 2012 when I got out. Here we are several years later. Where did the leap come from growing up, being in the military, and then deciding that you wanted to be an actor? Like, did you have interest in that when you were in the service, or did that come later down the road for you? So I wanted to become an actor uh, since, since second grade, um, Catholic school. I was in Catholic school and I uh, did a school play. It was um, every year there was a Christmas program that uh, that they put on. Originally, you know, it was original. It was written by the nuns and uh, uh, they would cast it. And I was in that and I sang in it. And I just remember, you know, how me being on stage and my performance affected people in the audience. I could see it. You know, the one thing about theater is you get this instant gratification from your performance either it's either you know you're either happy about the reaction you're getting or you are you know like ooh sad like maybe I did something wrong because they're looking <laughs> at me like I shouldn't be up here um so just <laughs> having that effect uh, on people uh just got me interested in performing and then I started watching other people's performances in mostly television and film and when I could see a play, I would see a play, but mostly it was television and film. And I just started really starting to understand, you know, that the actor was making certain choices to do that. And and some actors were great, some were good, some were not so good. And as a kid, I was going, you know, if I, if I get the opportunity to do this, I'm going to do it more like this actor than this actor. I started knowing actors' names. And I, and then once I got old enough and was able to be in a, in a drama program, I was in theater and, and drama all through, you know, school, and and I uh, decided I wanted to be an actor professionally. But coming from my background, I didn't have money. I didn't. I also didn't have the grades because I didn't. You know, my my uh, my home life wasn't perfect. Uh, so as far as you know, having the ultimate like guidance from family and from guidance counselors, I didn't really have that. So um, I didn't know how I was going to pay for college in the Air Force. I had a lot of military men in my family, especially Marines. Um, and I just thought, well, I can get that rite of passage um, by serving my country. And, and that's the rite of passage of becoming kind of a grown up, a man. 
Um, and the Air Force was offering at that point uh, 75% of any um, state college or university uh, tuition as long as you maintain a B plus average. So I, uh, I just decided I'm going to serve my country and I'm going to study and get, get an education. And I studied theater uh, when I was in the Air Force and I performed as much as I could. I don't know if you remember Tops in Blue. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Remember that? Yeah. So I, uh, I competed for tops and blue several times and, uh, could never join the, the company because of, you know, me being in the PRP program and working with nukes and, you know, being essential that we they couldn't let me go. I was always on the alert pad and all this stuff. So, um, you know, I, uh, I just knew like when, as soon as I got out of the military, I would be moving. I got an agent before I got out in Dallas, Texas, Kim Dawson agency before I separated from the air force, uh, did a commercial while I was in the air force, a Saturn commercial the first year that Saturn was coming out, did a lot of theater while in the military. There's a guy, um, I'll tell you a quick story. If you have time to listen, I do. Yeah. Um, so, uh, senior master sergeant Lou Monopoly, it was, uh, he wasn't a senior master sergeant when I met him. I think he was a master sergeant. Uh, he, he was like a father figure to me when I, got my first duty station. He was, you know, I didn't really, I grew up with a father, so uh, I needed a person like this in my life. And he was that person. And, you know, from the beginning, I of course told him my desire to be an actor. And one of the first shows that I did, he came to. And at the end of the show, he waited for me. Uh, and he, I came out and he was like, that was great. He goes, hey, I want you to sign this program. Wow. And I was like, what man, get that get the hell out of here. I'm not going to sign. I'm not going to give you my autograph. He's like, give me your autograph. Cause I want, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be worth something one day. So I signed it and I forgot about it. And then, you know, I was in the military for another, you know, five, six years after that or whatever. And, um, he ends up retiring from the military and stays, uh, uh you know, close to that duty station in Texas where I was. And, um, years later, uh, I'm out here. I've at this point been on you know a couple of series. I'm doing an independent film that I'm also a producer on, and we have decided we're going to shoot it in Austin. So you know, me and the other producers and the actors and all that stuff we fly to Austin. We get uh, Robert Rodriguez's crew is our crew, and oh. uh, we are you know about to shoot this movie. And I reach out to Lou, and I'm like, Hey, I'm in Austin. I know that you live outside of Fort Worth. I think. Um, maybe one of these weekends I can drive up to Fort Worth and visit with you. And he's like, Oh man, I'd love to come down, uh, bring Pat, his wife and come down and see you down there in, in Austin. And I was like, great. I'll take you to the set. And so it had been, you know, 15, 20 years at that point, then that I had, that I'd been out of the military. So he had been re retired four or five years before that. And so, uh, he shows up in front of my hotel. I come out, we're going to go to this uh, barbecue joint that I'd found close to the hotel. It was so good. And uh, I get into the back of his car. He's waiting out front. And I'm like, all right, you want to go out the parking lot and make a left as soon as you get to the driveway? And he's like, wait a minute. I, wanna, I just want to show you something. And he reaches beside himself and he holds up this envelope. Not an envelope. It was a Ziploc bag. Like an it looked like an evidence bag and whatnot. <laughs> so he holds up the Ziploc bag. And inside the Ziploc bag was that program from that play that he came and saw me right there in the back of the car in front of the hotel. I just started crying and I was, I couldn't believe that uh, he kept it. He's been that, he's been that supportive person for me 
from day one that I met him to this day. He, we still are always in communication on Facebook, of course, but you know, we, we still give each other, you know, congratulations, kudos. I wished him a happy anniversary. He's been married to his wife for like 50 years. And, um, you know, that's the Air Force. That, that was the Air Force for me. They, you know, I got nothing but support from everybody I worked with um, to include my commanders. Uh, you know, I got permission to do things that a lot of people didn't because I would just ask, you know, why not? And then um, I got out of the military uh, 1995 and I drove straight from that base to here. And I, um, I had uh, I'd built up a bunch of uh, uh, terminal leave. I had like three months of terminal leave built up. I didn't go and leave that much. I, I uh, so I had three months of pay wow. while starting a career in, in LA. It, I think, which was a, a big help. A lot of people don't get that when they come here. I had like three, you know, three months of full active duty pay that I was able to use to get started. What an incredible story! Thank you, John, for sharing that. I know we have a hard stop, and you have other things to do. So tonight is yeah. the big episode of this is us the ride it's a huge one we're excited for it john is directing thank you for being a part of the podcast today john i really do appreciate it that brings today's show to a close totally do thanks for stopping by if you enjoyed this episode feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe it's absolutely free the views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host autobots Roll out. Go home.